itself in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org This is Rosie Starr for Radio Catskill. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. On today's show, I share my recent visit to Sprouting Dreams Farm in Liberty, New York. We'll hear Leanna Maniachi and Eugene Thalman describe their inspiration and challenges on being young farmers with a vision of conscious, healthy living. All of that coming up on today's Farm and Country. But first, news headlines from NPR. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Noor Rahm. Russian-backed authorities in the Kharkiv region in Ukraine say Russian forces have abandoned the key transport city of Izium. Meanwhile, the Ukrainian army says it's captured the strategically important city of Kupyansk. The Ukrainian government says its forces have liberated more than 30 population centers in recent days. The BBC's Hugo Beshega reports. Officials shared a picture that appears to show Ukrainian troops holding up the country's flag in front of the city hall with the Russian flag at their feet. Their next target seems to be Izium, a logistical hub for the Russian army. The Ukrainian advances are the most significant changes on the front lines in months and apparently caught Russian forces by surprise. In recent weeks, Russia redeployed forces to the south amid a much-anticipated Ukrainian operation. This likely left positions exposed, and Ukraine has seen an opportunity to attack. The BBC's Hugo Beshega. Britain's time of mourning and transition continues after the death of Queen Elizabeth this week. Charles has been formally and publicly proclaimed king. Vicky Barker reports from London. After an ancient closed-door ceremony televised for the first time, the King Garter of Arms, a stout man in crimson and gold and plumed headdress, appeared on the balcony of St. James's Palace. Whereas it has pleased Almighty God to call to his mercy our late sovereign lady, Queen Elizabeth II. The crowd in the courtyard held phone cameras aloft. God save the King! Communal grief channeled through ancient rousing ritual, affirming the continuity of Britain's monarchy. For NPR News, I'm Vicki Barker in London. Lawyers for the Justice Department and for former President Trump last night filed their separate views about a special master in the investigation of documents recovered from Trump's Florida resort. A judge this week granted Trump's request that a third party be appointed to review the documents. Each side submit a list of possible candidates. The Justice Department urges that classified documents be excluded and the review be completed by October. Trump's lawyers say the process may take 90 days and all documents should be included. American Francis Telafo is out of the U.S. Open Tennis Championships in New York. He was beaten last night by 19-year-old Carlos Calderas of Spain. Tiafo was disappointed. I gave, I gave everything I had. Too good from Carlos tonight. I gave everything I had. I gave everything I had for the last two weeks. Um, you know, honestly, I came here wanting to win the U.S. Open. I, I feel like I let you guys down. Um, 
This one really hurts. This one really, really hurts. Alcaraz will face Casper Ruud for the championship tomorrow. This is NPR News. This is Rosie Starr. Welcome back to Farm and Country. Coming up on today's show, we'll hear Liana Maniachi and Eugene Thalman from Sprouting Dreams Farm in Liberty, New York, describe their inspiration and challenges on being young farmers with a vision of conscious, healthy living. Thank you for joining us on Radio Catskill for this week's locally produced Farm and Country. For WJFF Radio Catskill and Farm and Country, this is Rosie Starr in Liberty. I'm at Sprouting Dreams Farm, and we have a couple here that's young, ambitious, healthy, and wanting to share all of their knowledge with everyone. They've got a great concept. So we'll start with the young lady who's going to introduce herself. And tell us a little bit about your background. Okay. My name's Liana Maniachi, and Spreading Dreams Farm is a big part of who I am, and we started it in 2016. I have a bachelor's degree from the University of Buffalo. I graduated in 2013. I studied psychology and health and wellness, and I also own the yoga space in Hurleyville, New York. And I teach yoga all around Sullivan County, so I'm juggling those two things. <laughs> and tell us what your role is here on Sprouting Dreams Farm. Well, I'm pretty much in charge of the planting and what we decide to grow here. So every year I try to grow some new things and bring it to the farmer's markets. And I'm out there getting my hands on the soil, putting the plants into the earth, and pretty much anything that involves running the farm I'm always I have my head in that as well so it's more than a full-time job you're very knowledgeable and what I'd like to know is what inspires you to do this work that you do many things inspire me but when I was in college I took a course called nutrition and the environment and there I learned of Vandana Shiva and she said that organic farming is the most important science and that really strung some chords for me especially because I wasn't doing so hot in my organic chemistry classes originally wanting to be a nutritionist so I said well organic farming now that's intriguing and we actually went out and did some work on an urban farm and that just blew my mind away like learning where our food is actually grown so that's a big part of it and she also had said Vandana Shiva said nature is our best teacher so that's really the true inspiration behind it all and then it all kind of unfolded from there you know there was some background interest of nutrition I was pretty obsessed with nutrition and health coaching since I was in ninth grade 
wanting to make everyone around me really healthy and myself really healthy, eating really healthy. At the time, the healthy thing was whole wheat and skim milk. Now I know it's much more than that. It's about whole foods, less ingredients, single ingredients. I go out to the greenhouse and pick mustard greens and munch on those while I'm planting and harvesting and that's my lunch and I feel feel pretty good. From your experience now, why do you think organic farming is so important? Well, the less pesticides, that's the first thing, is everything that we put into our body and on our body, it gets accumulated in our bodies. And you have to think of your body like a vehicle. You know, you don't want to just put a bunch of gunk in your gas tank, so why would you want to do that with your body? So I try to eat very clean, and the less things added, like pesticides and chemicals, the better off. We just run better you know, our engines run better. We feel more vibrant. There's less to detox and expel out. So a lot of the times when we feel heavy or lethargic, we may just need to take a break from eating, let our digestive systems kind of just relax for a minute and eat just wholesome, pure foods, the least amount of chemicals possible. Plus the vegetables just generally, they just grow better when you grow them in what they want, which is rich, organic compost without all of the the chemicals. Well, you're very vibrant, and your world here on Sprouting Dreams Farm is one part of it. There must be other things you do because your concept is wholeness. What else in your life do you do to attain this? Well, I think a big part of it is mindset, starting the day off with wellness what would a healthy person do today? For me, exercise is a part of life. It's not this daunting thing that we have to do. It's just a part of life. Eating healthy is a part of life. Talking to ourselves, you know, in a healthy way is a part of life. So um, I think it's in every moment that I'm living. It's in every moment, really, making healthy decisions. Tell us what other physical activities you're involved in. Well, I do a lot of yoga as a yoga teacher. That's a big, big thing. Pretty much yoga, you know, in the summertime, I like to go for runs and walk the dog. And hiking is a big one, too. I love to get out in nature. Right now, at this point, what are the challenges that you're facing? One thing is burnout. I've been blessed with lots of job opportunities and running two businesses is already two full-time jobs and it's sometimes hard to say no. So over the years I've had to learn to say no to things to make room for myself and I think that's the biggest challenge of learning to balance work and life running two businesses. Saying no is really an art. And a challenge, because a lot of times the person you're saying no to may not understand that. Especially as a woman, you know, saying no, there's this fear of disappointing somebody, and we don't want to disappoint anyone, right? I think the world is also shifting. There are more people in general are waking up to to saying no. So I think the more people who are able to say no, those people who are taking that no are going to have to just deal with it and they'll learn to deal with their emotions. 
But overall, when anyone says no, like to me, I, I say thank you for honoring yourself because I don't want to move forward inauthentically with anyone. I hope that as everyone can continue to set those healthy boundaries, it'll just become more, more normalized so we can just let it go and move on. You're very wise in your thinking, and I really appreciate that at your young age to have that level of wisdom and to share it. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we close? Well, just visit us at the farmer's markets and support your local farmers and eat your greens every single day and as many meals as possible and come take a yoga class. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This is why I can stay on track. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, and now we have your partner, Eugene Thalman, who many folks are familiar with when they approach in one of the farmer's markets. He's the guy with those lovely pillows of sprouts and greens and delicious nutrients. (laughs) So I'll have him introduce himself and get a little bit about his background. Hi, I'm Eugene Thalman. I'm an agricultural program coordinator for Catskill Mountain Keeper, and I co-own and operate Sprouting Dreams Farm in Liberty, New York. What brought me to farming is a love for good quality food and a love for nature and the outdoors. I wanted to choose a profession that allowed me to nurture my mind, body, and spirit, and I know that being outside and in connection with nature is a way that that can be completed. What is your background that got you to this point? Well, I've been with Leanna for nine years now, and we both shared a love for yoga, nature, and good food. And when we had the opportunity to take over a family second home to rejuvenate an old farm, we jumped on that opportunity. I have a bachelor's degree in medicinal chemistry and a master's degree in nutritional sciences. And understanding how high-quality food enhances the genetic capabilities of your body as well as your biochemistry really drove us to doing something revolutionary and allowing us to have unlimited access to those high-quality, life-giving tools and foods. So that's how we got here. You must have acquired some knowledge on how to do what you're doing now. Would it, tell us more about what you do, about your product. I got to first off and say that there was a lot of failure involved for a long time. It was trial by fire. But after you dial it in over a long period of time and you understand the process, it becomes really simple. I mean, every Thursday night, I do the same unstacking process. Every Monday, we plant. And every Friday or Saturday, we cut and bag. And there's just things that I've seen over the years to be able to understand the variables at hand 
and make the changes necessary to have a good quality product. And this is all in relation to the microgreens. We have a facility that I can control humidity, temperature, wind speed, light, and we're able to dial those factors in to have a uniform product week after week. And that's only one aspect of our business, but it allows for that type of consistency and reliability allows us to do some really unique product development that is what I believe revolutionary. Our tomatoes are extremely flavorful. The salad greens that we're producing in the greenhouses are of exceptional quality, potentially having elevated life force organisms, which is a type of probiotic that is actually living off of a resonance force off of the living product itself, not a traditional probiotic that we know of right now that actually breaks down decaying matter. So that's another way that our products differ from things that can be found in the store. I know that the clay soils that we have here, and this is one of the aspects that we've learned over time is that the clay soil here is really, really ideal for celery production. And the celery we produce is very flavorful, it's tender, and we've dialed that one in too. So it's been years of trial and error, and we've started to learn what works well, what doesn't, and we just have, you know, changed course and who knows where it's going to really go to. I have a vision of where I'd like to see the farm progress to. You just mentioned a type of soil. Are you using soil or do you work with hydroponic? I don't do any hydroponics. The microgreens we use, what I believe is the highest quality potting mix on the market, which is uh, Vermont compost. It's quite costly. And that's one of the reasons why our vegetables can be so good because after we do our microgreen process, we can compost that potting mix, reclaim it, and then amend our soils with it. I'm not doing any type of hydroponics. We're using all soil based here. It's something that I'd like to figure out to some degree at some point, but that's just another uh, trial by fire. Well, from what I understand and learned recently, organic farming may not include hydroponics because soil is not involved. If you want to keep your organic status, I would think that you have high certifications here in New York State. Well, I don't certify organic right now just because it's another task of record keeping and administration, but we do follow organic protocol and in most cases exceed them just don't like keeping too many records i'm not an administrator (laughs) i understand that during the pandemic i studied on zoom farming practices because i was curious as a consumer what the farmers need to learn to go into it and the list of skills needed to be a farmer includes paperwork And a lot of times people are willing to forego the paper version of certified organic just because of the bureaucracy that's completely understood and respectable because you're following organic principles. What are the challenges that you're facing right now? 
I'd say one of the biggest challenges in springtime in the Catskills is we have a very erratic spring. It was 40 degrees for a couple weeks straight with 20 degree nights. And then out of nowhere, 75 degrees with 50 degree days. And then, you know, it's going to go back down with a 40 degree night. And that creates a shorter growing season. So one thing that we're doing here on the farm this year is we planted our tomatoes out really early. We have a black plastic mulch with drip lines underneath so that like our nightshades would be able to gain extra heat from the sun. And we planted them out early, so there's a 40-degree night, and technically anything under 50, 55 degrees could incur chill damage on those nightshades. So what we have to do is we have to put up small hoops. Now, we're a smaller farm, and we can use this type of variable augmentation to give the best results, which is not available on larger farms. But that's going to give my outdoor tomatoes an ability to actually take hold. And I'm predicting that this year, which is going to be a challenge, if you're too late of getting your plants in the ground and you get to June, last June we had 90 degree days, early June. So you're going to put a little baby plant, try to plug it into the soil, and it's just going to scorch. It's not even going to have the ability to get in there. And it's not a guarantee that that's the situation that will occur. We could have a really wet and cold year, but looking at the two-week forecast out, our weather apps are pretty good. And, you know, just seeing what has happened over the last few years, I'm gambling that it's going to be quite warm again. Here we are at the edge of Liberty on Route 55. What is it about your property that makes what you do good? Okay, so we have a really unique microclimate here. We're right by Walnut Mountain, and as cold air sinks... I'm thinking this happens. We're on a southern-facing slope with a pond, and then there's a mountain. So when that cold air comes off the mountain, it's going to push on the pond. The cold air will settle on the pond, but the warmer water air temperature above the pond will push up the hill. And I feel that we have a a very unique microclimate with a southern-facing exposure that gives us the ability to be of a less harsh zone at this high altitude. That's a great observation. It took you a while to come to that, didn't it? Yeah, and, you know, I've been saying it a few times I, I don't know even know if it's true, but I'm, that's just my best guess right there of, of what's happening. And you don't really think of those things until you've experienced year after year like, oh, I'm not getting a frost when everyone else around me is getting a frost. And you'd have to look around and, you know, obviously the southern exposure with the the sunlight you know, heating up the ground and potentially the trees that are encircling the farm, protecting us more from cold bursts of wind or gusts of wind. And we also have some good neighbors around us too. And, you know, the ho- all houses produce and hold heat differently than native woods. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about how you inspire 
what you know, the goodness in your life that you're, other than growing what you do, the activities that you're involved in, how you're spreading your inspiration for this wholeness and goodness? Well, there's a few different ways that I interact with young people in the community. One way is through the Indoor Grow Station program, which is part of the Catskill Edible Garden Project, which is a partnership between Sullivan Renaissance and Catskill Mountain Keeper. Over the past few years, we went into school districts and inspired kids to use indoor growing spaces to start plants early and grow their own salad greens in the classroom, which has had a great success. It's really amazing to teach kindergartners through third graders that they too can grow plants. And it's really amazing to see how the teachers really lighten up and have a new passion for growing plants. We also are starting to partner and allow Single Bite to take tours of the farm. We had the Liberty School children in, at the 8th grade level, two groups of 50 students, come and take a tour of the farm. And we had some hands-on demonstrations where they got to smell some lemon balm, put their hand in the compost, taste a couple microgreens, and experience what being in a greenhouse is like as well as taking a walking tour of our fields. I don't know exactly what each student is taking down and getting out of the experience, but it's really important that they have a diversity of experiences because when I reflect on the experiences I've had in a childhood, there's little tidbits throughout my existence that actually play a formative role in how I act now. You're an important person for this planet. Not only are you feeding people nutrient food, but you're teaching others to be inspired to do the same. What do you have to say to young people that want to be farmers or grow food? Try to envision what you want to do. Really sit with yourself. Think about what makes you feel good. It's not always going to work out how you want it to, but at least having a vision of where you want to go, what you want to do, and then make it happen. One of the things that really allowed me to have more joy in my life was during this last winter, maybe even the winter before that when the facility was completed, I have a, an area where I do a lot of conference calls, uh, we do planting and stuff, and I made an area that was uh, 8 by 10 right there, and it's the middle of the winter, and I have in this area on a sunny day, it will be 75, 80 degrees with full sun in the middle of January, and I get to have a spot to do my own yoga practice. And I've reflected, this has taken years and years of work to get to this point where in the Catskill Mountains, I can have truly green office space and a place to have a beautiful nature setting for a, a very in-depth, centering spiritual practice. To just instill upon other people... You know, it's really your own mind's limitations that allows you not to get as far as you'd like. Not to say that the hard work isn't necessary to complete that and good luck and, you know, hopefully fortune that life won't just blindside you. But to just put it out there, dream big, 
come up with a plan and work at it every day, and something great should happen. That spectacular philosophy, and I will add, just being here with the both of you, you add the mix of love. Keeping love in your heart drives that kind of thinking. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we close? One thing that I'm working on is trying to always respond rather than react and always having a positive attitude, even in my own internal dialogue. I've been listening to a lot of things about habits, and before my uncle passed, we had a conversation about when we each got back from vacation, were you able to change your routine to have positive habits? And he said, it's all about attitude. And sometimes our own minds psych us up. We think about all the things we have to do, and it's the pain of avoiding pain that really causes us more pain. Because if we just embrace what we have to do to get to where we want, it's really not all that bad. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> this interview is part of the audio that you'll hear for the special project why I Farm. Why I Farm is an audiovisual creative collaboration produced by digital artist Pat Carullo, photographer Woody Goldberg, and myself, Rosie Starr, radio producer. It is planned for viewing in October at the Digital Gallery in the Union, Narrowsburg, New York. More information is available at narrowsburgunion.com. We hope that you enjoyed our show this week with production by a Radio Catskill volunteer. Special thanks goes to our guests, Liana Maniachi and Eugene Thalman from Sprouting Dreams Farm in Liberty, New York. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for listening to Farm and Country on Radio Catskill, 103.5.